You take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you dry it, you roll it, you smoke it, and it goes down smooth. Spanning the globe to bring you the latest developments in medical cannabis, adult marijuana, industrial hemp, and spiritual ganja. We love the It's time for the Marijuana Agenda with Ross Belleville. Now, here's your host, Ross Belleville. Good day, tokers and tokats and non-token lovers of liberty. It is Friday, August 24th, 2018, and it's got to be 420 somewhere in the world. Welcome to the program. We're so glad to have you here. Coming at you live and direct from Delta 9 House and Studios in beautiful legal Potland, Oregon, which is once again beautiful. It's been pretty hazy and smoky over the past couple of weeks with all the wildfires that are going on throughout the West, you know, caused by the Chinese hoax of global warming. So uh, it's been hazy. You couldn't even see from one bridge to the other bridge. I mean, it's been really, you know, Beijing level bad air quality out here, but uh, cleared up today and got about 20 degrees cooler. We're sitting in the 70s right now. So uh Finally got a long sleeve shirt on after the past couple of weeks of 90 degree weather, but uh, we're not here to talk just about the weather. We've got all sorts of cannabis news to get to. We'll get to that in the cannabis headline news coming up right after the first break, but also on the show today, we are going to be going in depth on religion, believe it or not. Uh, We've got some stories uh, that intersect marijuana and religion. So in our What in the News segment, we got to tell you about, you remember the, the gay wedding cake case? You know, the baker in Colorado, Mr. Phillips, who didn't want to make a wedding cake for a gay wedding. Well, he's back in the news and it has to do with marijuana and not wanting to make a cake. So we'll talk a little bit about that specifically and more broadly, the idea of religion and uh, religious objection in public service. We'll talk about that coming up in What in the News. Then a great interview coming up. The International Cannabis Business Conference is coming up in September, September 28th. DJ Muggs from Cypress Hill will be playing the after party. I got to talk to him yesterday and we'll play that interview coming up today in our Northwest Cannabis Chronicle. And then at the end of our first free podcast hour, we'll have a radical rant where again, the intersection of marijuana and religion. This time, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, the faith into which I was baptized. Yeah, chew on that for a second. Uh, We'll talk about that coming up at the end of the show. And then Hour 2, Toker Talk Radio for you premium podcast podcast subscribers. Rented lips. Uh, That's coming up with all the latest news, too. This is your Cannabis Headline News, brought to you by MarijuanaMoment.net, the complete source for all your marijuana news in one morning newsletter from Marijuana Majority founder Tom Angel. Subscribe today for free at MarijuanaMoment.net. This is your Cannabis Headline News, brought to you by InternationalCBC.com. I'm Russ Belleville. Canadians are more concerned about the actions of the U.S. president south of their border than they are about the impact of marijuana legalization in their own country, a new poll finds. When asked, how concerned are you feeling about the following issues these days? 73% said they are extremely or very concerned about Donald Trump, while only 33% said the same thing about the legalization of cannabis. Four out of 10 Canadians are wholly unconcerned about the end of marijuana prohibition, but only 11% feel that way about President Trump. 
The survey, conducted by Abacus Data this month and released on Friday, also showed that the greater concern about Trump as compared to marijuana persists across party lines, with liberal, NDP, and conservative voters all putting the U.S. president ahead of cannabis among their worries. Alaska might become the first place in the United States to officially permit recreational marijuana consumers the right to use cannabis in specially state-licensed establishments. The state's Marijuana Control Board on Wednesday published proposed changes to regulations allowing cannabis dispensaries to seek approval for on-site consumption. According to the proposal, dispensaries could sell marijuana bud or flower, in quantities not to exceed one gram, to any one person per day and edible marijuana products in quantities not to exceed 10 milligrams of THC to any one person per day to customers to consume on the premises. Cannabis concentrates and tobacco products would not be allowed in the consumption areas, and the rules don't allow for people to BYOB or bring your own bud. Researchers at Victoria University of Wellington and Harvard University found that medical marijuana laws essentially have a null effect on crime rates. With one big exception, a nearly 20% reduction in violent and property crimes in California following the legalization of medical cannabis there. The researchers emphasized that their results showed statistically insignificant changes in crime post-legalization, a 3.7% decrease in violent crime, and a 1.5% increase in property crime. The researchers concluded, quote, Overall, our findings suggest no strong causal relationship between medical marijuana laws and criminality. The move by the Drug Enforcement Administration last week to dramatically increase the amount of marijuana that can be legally grown in the U.S. in 2019 for research purposes, combined with its decision to reduce opioid production levels, surprised longtime observers of the Anti-Narcotics Agency. Now, in a new filing scheduled to be published in the Federal Register on Thursday, the agency is moving to also boost the cannabis quota for the current year. Under the proposed update, Over 1.14 million grams of marijuana will be needed in 2018 to provide for the estimated medical, scientific, research, and industrial needs of the United States, for lawful export requirements, and for the establishment and maintenance of reserve stocks, DEA wrote. That amount, more than 2,500 pounds of weed, isn't nearly as much as the 5,400 pounds DEA proposed for next year, but it is more than double the 978 pounds the agency first proposed for 2018 in its initial filing late last year. Two U.S. congressmen from medical marijuana states objected via Twitter to Wells Fargo closing the bank accounts of a Florida candidate over her support for medical marijuana. Florida Congressman Ted Deutsch wrote, quote, Treating Florida Agricultural Commissioner candidate Nikki Fried's campaign as a marijuana business because she expresses support for legalization of medical marijuana is an extraordinary overreach. A candidate's campaign committee is not a marijuana business and shouldn't be shut out of banking, end quote. Oregon Congressman Earl Blumenauer referenced the recent cases of Wells Fargo opening fake accounts in real customers' names, writing, quote, Wells Fargo is at it again. The bank that's cheated thousands of its customers is now undercutting the will of more than 70% of Florida voters. This is absolutely absurd. Marijuana prohibition will end. Stories like this are why, why we're fighting. End quote. This has been your Cannabis Headline News, brought to you by the International Cannabis Business Conference, taking place Friday, September 28th, 2018, in Portland, Oregon. Check out internationalcbc.com for details. I'm Russ Belville. You're listening to the Marijuana Agenda with Russ Belville.
International Cannabis Business Conference has brought together cannabis professionals from Berlin to Barcelona, from Hawaii to Vancouver, from San Francisco, and now back home to beautiful Portland, Oregon. Get your tickets now at internationalcbc.com for the September 27th and 28th event at the Downtown Hilton in Portland. Use promo code DELTA9 for a huge discount on your event tickets. You'll hear from U.S. Senator Jeff Merkley of Oregon, cannabis regulators from the OLCC, and learn about the emerging legal market in Canada. Tickets are available for the conference and VIP events featuring entertainment from DJ Muggs of Cypress Hill and Dell the Funky Homo Sapien. Visit internationalcbc.com and use promo code DELTA9. That's internationalcbc.com, promo code DELTA9, D-E-L-T-A number nine, for the International Cannabis Business Conference. You're not high. You're listening to the Marijuana Agenda with Russ Belleville. This is high-purity THC content marijuana, uh, and it's uh, not a healthy substance. Okay, maybe you're a little high. This year in the United States, the opioid overdose crisis will take over 60,000 American lives. The use and abuse of alcohol will claim over 90,000 American lives. But the government still wants to crack down on Americans who smoke marijuana, which has never killed anybody. If this were a war and the enemy killed 150,000 Americans, would we go invade some country that had nothing to do with it? Wait, don't answer that. Skip that. The Marijuana Agenda Free Podcast is available on iTunes, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, TuneIn, Google Play, SoundCloud, and on our Facebook page at MJ Agenda. Free video archives are available at the Radical Rust channel on YouTube. Help keep this media free by making a donation at paypal.me slash radicalrust. People can say no to drugs. It's really, really easy. Adding more gasoline to the fire. Lacks of days ago. Really tough, really big, really great. To infect and rot our nation. Dangerous and gateway drugs. We don't need to be legalizing marijuana. To build and grow a stronger, healthier, and drug-free society. Today in What in the News, we take a look at the story of Jack Phillips, the Colorado baker with Masterpiece Bakery, who uh, doesn't want to bake the gay wedding cake. You may have heard of this story. Uh, This goes to the idea of religious tolerance. He's citing his Christian beliefs that uh, the gays are icky, and so he can't make a cake for them celebrating their wedding because they'd make little baby Jesus cry. So uh, he's got a big problem with this, uh, with the gay wedding cake. And the case isn't exactly settled. I mean, people heard that there was a Supreme Court decision on this. But what the Supreme Court decision was, was that the Colorado board that initially ruled on him, uh, one of the board people and their, one of the, uh, the public officials exhibited an anti-religious bias. And so it, it, the decision against him was biased from the judges being biased or the officials being biased, not that the judgment of those officials was wrong. <laughs> now, the the judgment, as I see it, this is a pretty simple thing for me. And, and of course, I have to start state up front that I'm an avowed atheist. I find all these uh, multiply mistranslated Bronze Age oral folklore fairy tales to be equally ridiculous. 
but I completely support your right to believe them. I, I, I support your mental freedom. And that's to me, that's what the whole issue of freedom of religion really is. It's it's the way it was stated for the the, the 18th century uh, folks that wrote it was a freedom of religion. But really what that means is, is freedom of thought, freedom to believe, freedom to have an opinion on something. Right. It's it's bigger than just just your belief in a God and how the creation happened and what your purpose in life is. It's, it's the freedom to think what you want. It's the freedom to be free from thought police. So. In this case, uh, the, the problem I have with it is that you've got uh, someone wanting who is who is providing a public service. And and once you're providing this public business, you know, your business has to be licensed. You get licenses, you you pay taxes, you get certain uh, benefits from society like paved roads in front of your business and an educated set of customers who can who can do jobs to make money to be able to buy stuff at your business. So it's part of society when you put your uh, shingle out to have a public business, right? So in that respect, this gay wedding cake thing isn't really about the gay cake or the gay it's about just like the the it was never really about the water fountains when we had the 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 white and colored water fountains. It was about whether or not a certain class of people are accepted in society, whether or not they have the full and unfettered right to take advantage of the public sphere that their tax dollars also pay for, or are they treated as second class citizens somehow? So in the case of the gay wedding cake, you got a situation where, where gay folks are being discriminated against. They're not able to take advantage of the public sphere. Now, the counter argument against that is that sure they can, they can go get a cake somewhere else. But does that really work when you have so many people or they're, I mean, I mean, why should they have to go somewhere else, I guess is the question. I mean, that goes back again to the separate but equal like we had uh, for African-Americans where they had to have their own little travel guides to figure out where on the highway system they could find a hotel or motel they could actually uh, sleep at, right? Where they could find lunch counters, where they could eat, so forth. So we don't want to have that. We decided we had this fight. <laughs> we already had this fight in this country. And we decided long ago in the 60s that, no, we're going to be an integrated society, a welcoming society, a tolerant society, one that allows all people of all stripes to participate in that society. So what does this have to do with weed? Well, <laughs> funny you should ask that. This Jack Phillips, this cake baker who didn't want to do the gay wedding cake, is upset again, once again saying his religious beliefs are being infringed because somebody's now wanting him to make a Satan cake. Satan? That's right, a Satan cake. <laughs> and I don't remember if it was the Satan cake or it was a separate cake, but another cake, I think it was Satan smoking a bong is what it was, right? Something like that. But it depicted marijuana and depicted Satan. And it, I can't do that. I, I just can't do that. And so this becomes a little thornier a discussion now, the Satan thing, I guess you could make the same religious argument, right? Like, like you're making a religious discrimination argument. Like, would he not make a cake uh, depicting the Pope? Well, you know, if he, if he did that, then, you know, the Catholics would be all upset. Funny aside, how come alcoholic is the abuse of alcohol, but Catholic is not the abuse of cats? Anyway, uh, so this, <laughs> this, uh, this, this is a little thornier situation when we talk about the weed part of it, though. Because, like, we don't get to be considered a class of people necessarily. 
So can this guy have a legitimate objection to making cakes that depict marijuana, saying that it offends his religious beliefs? Now, first of all, let's not have the discussion about how silly it is to have someone of a Christian religious belief to be anti-marijuana. I'm going to get to that in the rant at the end of the show. But let's assume that's a valid argument, that he's got a religious objection to marijuana. Should he be allowed to not make the marijuana-themed cake? And this is going to sound odd from my point of view, but I think, yeah, he, should, he shouldn't have to make the cake depicting marijuana. And, and for the same, the, the way I come to this thought is, you know, what if I were a cake baker and someone wanted me to make uh, a cake with a swastika on it? Should I be able to refuse making swastika cakes? And I thought, well, well, yeah, because Nazis aren't like gay people or like black people or like handicapped people where this is, it's a, it's their state of being, right? They're not choosing this. They're just, that's just their state of being. That's their state of existence. You're discriminating against people for who they are. But in the case of the, of the, the Nazis and the swastika, no, they're making a choice. They're making a choice to express that hateful belief. And I shouldn't be co-opted into promoting that hateful belief. Should the sign maker be forced to make the Nazi sign? I say no. Well, then this gets back to being a little bit dicier now with the religious one. Because the religious, we can't describe, they're another protected class in America. You can't discriminate against people on the basis of religion. But a religion isn't an immutable characteristic of who you are. A religion is a choice in a belief system like being a Nazi is, isn't it? I know people are going to get some letters on that one. You're comparing religion to Nazism? No, except in the sense that you choose to have a religion and you choose to be a Nazi. I'm not saying they're at all alike, although the Nazis were a Christian. All I'm saying is we have a protected class in America that's based on your choice to believe in something. So how absurd would it be to consider at least at least medical marijuana patients, those who, again, it's an immutable characteristic of their life, they can't exist, reasonably be expected to exist without it, can we discriminate against medical marijuana patients? Of course, if you, if you go that, if you go down that little rabbit hole, then you have to have the discussion of who's a medical marijuana patient, and that gets into the who's the legitimate users, which again, will reference that in our rant when we talk a little bit about the Mormon church and its opposition to this uh, medical marijuana proposition. But it's interesting and, and it's, 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 it's a strange area to have to uh, talk about it in the context of cakes. <laughs> but remember, it's not really about the cakes. It's about public accommodation. It's about the right of someone who's operating a business to be forced to have to accommodate certain things they might not want to. And I think we can agree you shouldn't have to be for well, maybe we can't agree. Maybe you think you should be forced to make the swastika on the cake, the swastika on the cake. I, I generally take the the view that if you if you sign on to do a job, you should do that job. Like I, I don't I don't uh, agree with these pharmacists who say they have a religious objection to giving out birth control pills. Uh-uh. You you want to be a pharmacist, <laughs> you've got to dispense the pills. That's the gig. You don't like it, get a new gig. We don't like uh, Islamic bartenders not serve alcohol or vegan uh, uh, Hooters waitresses not serve chicken wings. 
You're really clouding the energy in this room right now. Well, you may be right on that one. It's 20 after the hour, 3.20 here in the Pacific Time Zone, 4.20 in the Mountain Time Zone. we got to take our union-mandated safety briefing. We'll have an anti-drug public service announcement coming up from Rock Against Drugs, one of my favorite female singers of the 80s. And then DJ Muggs, right after that, DJ Muggs from Cypress Hill. Stay tuned. Looking for the 420 friendliest way to visit beautiful legal potland, Oregon? I'm Lori Duckworth, inviting you to come stay with us at Delta 9 House and Studios. You get your own private room with queen bed and access to our high-speed Wi-Fi, premium entertainment system, and more. We'll even cook you breakfast. Look us up on Facebook at Delta 9 House. That's Facebook.com slash Delta number 9 house. Delta 9 House is booked through Airbnb.com, City of Portland, permit number 17-159-855. We are, each of us, a multitude. Wow, I'm suddenly feeling wisely fungible. There isn't the sharp line dividing humans. Or maybe fungibly wuzzy. It's a very wuzzy line. It's a very wuzzy line. It's getting wuzzier all the time. Sometimes it's hard to tell. We find animals doing things that we, in our arrogance, If you work in the cannabis industry, consume marijuana, or just support freedom, you need to know about breaking policy news that affects you. Marijuana Moment is the daily newsletter that helps you stay on top of all the latest and most important state, federal, and international cannabis developments. Brought to you by longtime legalization activist Tom Angel, Marijuana Moment puts a concise yet comprehensive overview of cannabis news in your inbox early every weekday morning. Wake up to Marijuana Moment and rest assured you'll be ready for the cannabis news that's driving the day. Subscribe now at MarijuanaMoment.net. Now, in the interest of fair and balanced journalism, the Marijuana Agenda presents this anti-drug public service announcement. This has been an actual anti-drug public service announcement. To combat this and other drug war hysteria, listen to the Marijuana Agenda every weekday at 3 p.m. Pacific at live.mjagenda.com or download the free podcast at mjagenda.com. Hey, everybody, it's Russ Belville from the Marijuana Agenda inviting you to be like me and get your ink done at Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo, Fort Worth's most female-friendly, clean, sterile, awesome tattoo shop. Thomas and his crew are true artists who can design you a custom piece or use a design you bring in. Lucky Horseshoe also offers all styles of tattooing as well as piercings and all-around fun. In the DFW area, stop by Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo and tell them Radical Russ sent you. Trust me, it'll feel awesome. The Marijuana Agenda with Russ Belleville. Young people, many of them that get into heroin, methamphetamines, and a lot of other things, begin not only with marijuana, but by addiction. Whatever you're smoking, it's not marijuana. The Marijuana Agenda is a listener-supported, independent podcast brought to you by Radical Russ Media, LLC. 
Subscribe to our VIP feed at mjagenda.com for access to our ad-free podcast segment archive. Make a one-time donation to support the Marijuana Agenda at paypal.me slash radicalrus. Welcome to the Northwest Cannabis Chronicle, brought to you by the Marijuana Business Association at mjba.net, the fastest-growing cannabis business alliance in America. Today, we catch you up on the latest news and speak with an expert from Cascadia Bioregion of the Pacific Northwest, consisting of the legal marijuana states of Oregon, Washington, and Alaska. Fill your coffee and grab an umbrella. It's time for the Northwest Cannabis Chronicle. We're sitting here on the line with DJ Muggs, one of the founding members of Cypress Hill, along with Be Real and Send Dog. So glad to have you on the program, Muggs. What's happening? Everything's good, man. We just out here in Cali, working on a couple records and shit, enjoying the sunshine. Yeah, yeah. You know, I I just found out uh, doing some research for our interview today that you are three days older than I am. So we're you're my fellow Aquarian. Great to have you on the show. Oh, you're a good man. Yeah, well, thank you. And, uh, of course, another good man, yeah. Alex Rogers, a friend of ours, putting on the uh, International Cannabis Business Conference on uh, Friday, September 28th, up here in Portland, Oregon. You are featured at the after party. What do you think about that, you know, performing at a cannabis business conference? You ever thought you'd see the day? Oh, man, it's a beautiful thing, man. I love what Alex is doing with the ICBC, man. He's um bringing some great minds together. And he's bringing great information together where it's kind of like people can go and they can learn about this industry and know what to invest in and know how to move forward with their business and um, meet legitimate people, legitimate business people and get, um, you know, real knowledge that's going to be usable in this industry. And, um, you know, I've seen I've seen other other things here and there, but. This is the this is the one right here, man. It's a oh, beautiful yeah. fucking conference. So I'm glad I'm glad to be part of it. I'm gonna be up there with Dell, the funky Homo sapien, and we're gonna go bring the after party. So after everybody's working and, and getting all this knowledge and learning shit and smoking out, they're gonna have they're gonna be able to chill out with us now and have a good fucking time and just relax and take it all in. Oh, yeah, I can testify to that. I've covered all the ICBCs uh, here in Portland and elsewhere and seen Dell perform a number of times. I am just thrilled to hear that the two of you will be collaborating upon that stage uh, for the after party. Uh, Going to be a really, really good time. And, and, and Muggs, you know, legalization, man, it's hit all across the West Coast. It's starting. I mean, they're voting on it in Michigan this year. I mean, what do you think of legalization so far? I think it's moving right along, you know. Um, it's a lot of uncharted ground. They're still figuring it all out. Um, nothing's going to be perfect, you know, the, exactly how we want it. But the fact that the reason we all got into the legalization of this, per, this, this beautiful plant was for the medical purposes and how it actually helps people. And um, the fact that people are, can go smoke it without being frowned upon or looked upon, you know, and, and we're going to have we're going to be able to abolish these fucking drug tests which actually kept people from being able to use this medicine. Um, mm-hmm. I think that, that's fucking great, man. 
Yeah, yeah. And and you, you mentioned, you know, there's there's still a lot of work to do on this. Uh, one of the things I point to is, you know, making some sort of, uh, uh, you know, payback to the people who've been crushed by this drug war, you know, getting people out of jail. Now, I just heard in California, they, they got a bill Governor Brown's about to sign here that's going to help people get their records either uh, expunged or reduced. Are, are there other aspects you'd like to see as we move forward? What, is, what does California need to do specifically to make this legalization better? Well, they need to definitely get everybody out of jail. That would be a beautiful thing. Um, you know what? I'm, I notice what they're starting to do now is they're starting to like do some DWI shit where they're fucking have people blowing breathalyzers with yeah. THC. You know what I mean? So there's going to be more stringent um, things like that that they didn't do before. But I think people need to um, be responsible. And along with with everything being legalized and everybody smoking and having a good time and you know, the freedom of it. I think everybody that's a leader in this industry needs to take it upon themselves to educate people as well. Yeah. About, yeah. about this shit, because weed ain't for everybody, man. You know, there's motherfuckers that have one drink and they start wanting to get in a fight and alcohol is <sighs> not for them. There's that's other right. motherfuckers that have one drink and they can just, they just get happy and want to talk. Now there's some motherfuckers that they smoke weed and they just want to go to sleep. Well, then at that point, it's a fucking sleeping pill for you. You know, don't smoke all day. Don't demotivate yourself from what you need to do. But then there's people like myself who smoke and I want to create, make music and go to the gym and hike. And you know what I mean? And, yeah. and, and take care of business and come, up, and come up with plans. So, you know, understand what the plant benefits are to you and, and then use them as a tool, not a crutch. Yeah. You know, I'm glad you bring that up because there are so many people like you, the guys in Cypress Hill, so many of the artists that came up that, you know, gave lie to that idea that stoners are all unmotivated and can't get shit done. You, you guys definitely got a lot of shit done, Start, you know, starting out with, you know, hits from the bong and everything has come up with, you know, uh, uh, Funk Dubious and Soul Assassins and all the work you're doing. I mean, God, you got how many acts are you working with now, Muggs? Oh, I got a lot of stuff going on right now. I got, irons in the fire. I got six business. I got six businesses, and um, on my record label side, I got about, I got about five albums coming out in the next seven months. So man. we don't stop over here, man. We're um, we're um, we're just we just like to do our art every day. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And you know, this is. I wanted to take the talk in this direction, an artistic direction, with you as well. The intersection between art, uh, between uh, marijuana and music, and I, I kind of look at it as as three waves that we've experienced. That first wave being, you know, Louis Armstrong and Cab Calloway, those guys way, way back in the day, the old the jive guys. You know, they had to talk in code. And then that second wave, you had kind of the yeah. hippie, the hippie thing in the '60s and '70s, and it was fighting the man. You know, fighting against Vietnam. And then, and then you got that third wave that you and and, and and Send Dog and Be Real are part of, and, and Snoop Dogg and Dre and these guys that came out in the '90s and the 2000s when it was still kind of underground. Now that it's coming legal, as, as this fourth wave comes up, what do you see happening to the intersection of, of, of marijuana and music? Is it not going to be a, a fight the power thing so much as love the flower thing? Yeah, that would be nice. That would be nice. You know, I think it's always going to go hand in hand. It's part of the creative process, like. It turns on receptors in the brains, man, and energies just start flowing through you and you hear things differently. You know what I mean? And mm -hmm. being able to harness that and then, and then, and then, and then paint these, these pictures with sound and then harness that and then, and then handing them to the people, you know, I think it's going to open up new styles of music. Um, 
and um, new categories of music, you know. Yeah. Rock and roll was a new thing at one time, you know. Everything was new at one time, but I just think there's going to be just, just new styles of music. They're going to just keep reinventing the right. wheel, kind of say. Very cool. Very cool. Now, uh, on, on the politics side of this, you know, as we uh, were fighting to get marijuana legalization passed in 2016, uh, your bandmate Be Real was against Prop 64, but now is opening up the Dr. Green Thumb dispensary that can only open up because Prop 64 passed. What, what's the evolution there? Is it kind of like, you know, well, it passed. Now we got to make the best of it. Um, I'm not sure, man. You probably have to ask him that one. Yeah. You know? It's probably definitely, definitely a Be Real question. Um, yeah. You know, you don't, have, you, you, fed, you, you don't find any issue once, with once it, though. Once, once the feds um, make the federal legal, and then we're we're, we're going to be we're going to be able to, and, and the banks are allowed to fucking bank. We're going to a lot of these problems we have are going to go away, you know. And then big business comes in, and everybody who was like a small farmer and doing this for the last 30, 40 years, you know. That's the part of making it legal, man. Yeah. You know, that's just, that's part of the evolution, man. It's like us humans have our evolution and, you know, there's fucking um, gentrification and things just change and it's just, it's just, it's done. The past yeah. is gone now. It's changing now. Yeah. Yeah. No doubt about that. Uh, you mentioned how, you know, everything was new at one time. And of course, that means that weed at one time was new to you. What was your first encounter with marijuana like? Uh, let's do both, man. Um, I remember weed when I was a kid, man. I remember from all the way back to like kindergarten, first grade, and just smelling that smell. I didn't know what it was. Yeah. But for butter was in my house, that smell. So I would smell that smell, and I would be like, what the hell is that smell? <laughs> and it was, it was my uncle smoking weed. And right. I found it one time, but I didn't know what it was. I didn't really remember that smell, you know? Yeah. And I smell it too. So, and then as I got older, I remember smoking probably my first time. I was probably like eight or something. I took a puff and I fell asleep. But then I smoked again when I was 16. And then um, I giggled. I giggled for like three fucking hours. <laughs> so, like, I, I, you know, that's great because I hear, uh, you know, when I talk to this, I ask that question of a lot of people. And there's some people say, yeah, man, the first time I smoked, I didn't really get high. I'm like, are you kidding me? <laughs> like, it, for me, it was oh, like love at first sight, man. <laughs> yeah, it was yeah. The best back then, it was like, man, I I just laughed all that beginning times. I would just laugh, crying, like when my stomach would hurt, my fucking. I was crying. I kind of yeah. laughed. <laughs> That's good to hear. Uh, now, another thing that we hear sometimes from the the people, and, the, and there's fewer of them this nowadays, but the people who still hate weed, you know, one of their, their talking points is, well, you can't talk about weed today and compare it to what you smoked back in the day 20, 30 years ago, because today's weed is super hyper potent, chronic type weed. And back then it was just nothing. I mean, I always think that was BS, because I imagine you guys were probably smoking some pretty good stuff back in the 90s. You know what? People build a tolerance, man. You know, now they just build more of a tolerance. But that weed got you fucked up back in the days, too. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It might have not lasted as long. We got you faded, and now the weed's stronger, but it's it's all relevant to the to the individual, isn't it? Yeah, I, I would think so. You know, I, I'm wondering if, if uh, uh, this access, you know, since California passed compassionate use in 96, I mean, from that point on, did the access increase your use or change it in any way? I think mine's less now. Like, really? I used to smoke so much back in the days. I smoke less now, man. I don't, I, 
because I, I like to smoke. I don't need to smoke all day. I like to smoke when I go in the studio specifically. You yeah. know what I mean? When I make music. So if I'm yeah. not in the studio, I might not smoke for a week. I just don't feel like I'm, I used to have to wake up and smoke weed. I don't feel like that anymore, man. I enjoy it when I smoke it, but I don't have to have it. Is that, uh, is that like, I mean, I know for my, I grew up in a red state. I grew up in Idaho, right? And there was two strains, got some and don't. And so part of the reason why you smoke so much is like, this, this might be the last weed you ever see. Uh, was that a, 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 a part of that? Or was do you think maybe just getting older? Nah, man. Hey, for me, dog, weed's always been legal. I've always got it when I wanted it. Yeah. I mean, I live, I'm, I'm from New York. I live in LA. Weed's always just been part of the culture, like, in the 80s, you were just smoking the parks in New York. The cops would walk by and say, hey, put that down. Have some respect. I'd have cops going through my pockets, like, and I'd have, like, 10 nickel bags. And they'd be like, you don't got no crack? I'd be like, nope. They'd be like, all right, cool. Wow. Put that shit out. And they'd leave you alone until until the Giuliani era. And after, after 9-11, like, that's when all the laws started changing. And the cops started the no-tolerance law in New York and started throwing you in jail for a fucking joint. But... Yeah, you know, right. and I've always got weed, and I've always got weed when I wanted it in L.A. You know, this is L.A., man. So when it got legal, nothing's changed for me. Yeah, yeah. Uh, nothing, nothing has changed for me. Period. So is there the only uh, thing I've seen change? That, that, like the big dramatic thing I've seen change is my friends who've always grown and sold weed. They're hurting because they're not making money like they did before. They didn't move. They didn't have the money to like get. It. They they just didn't go and like open dispensaries and stuff. You know what I mean? They yeah. was always just. They was the guys growing and selling the weed, the weed guy for the last 20 years. Yeah. You know, th those are the dudes that are hurting on my side. Absolutely. And, you know, it's uh, it, that's just kind of, I guess, inevitable nature of legalizing. I mean, there was a bunch of guys in uh, Al Capone times that were making money on bootleg whiskey, too. But, you know, legalization changes stuff. Same shit. Yeah, same shit. Yeah. So what's uh, what's coming up next for you artistically? You you mentioned you had a few albums that were uh, about ready to drop. You maybe give our listeners a, something to look forward to. Yeah, I had an album drop um two weeks ago called um Diadeli Assassinato. It's a new Soul Assassin album. Um, and then um September twenty eighth, uh, we have a new Cypress album dropping. It's called Elephants on Acid. <laughs> and then I have one more project coming up. October 19th, I have a record called Chaos with, a, with, with one of um, a national treasure from New York named Rocky, Rocky Marciano. He's a, he's a rapper from Hempstead, Long Island. Right on, right on. And uh, your performance here is uh, Friday, September 28th at the uh, after party of the International Cannabis Business Conference here in Portland, Oregon. Uh, you make it up to uh, the Pacific Northwest up here in Portland often? Um, I used to a lot more, but now I get up there, you know, probably about three times a year yeah well we're all looking forward to being here at the international cannabis business conference you can check out the website at internationalcbc.com if you want to get the tickets and get them earlier they cost less and uh, mugs you got any uh, websites or uh, uh, shout outs you need to give out before we go no i just want to shout out alex man you know for for having me back again and throwing like it's my favorite event man that's why i keep going back i get asked to play marijuana conventions like I get at least two or three calls every fucking two weeks. So I'm like, uh, but I'll return to this one. Cause I just, I believe in what he's doing and I, and I love the vibe and the people. Um, it's great. It's great networking. So come on mm. out and hang out with us, man. That's one hell of, and we'll put one in there. Hell we'll yeah. One hell of an endorsement from DJ Muggs of Cypress Hill. Thank you so much for joining us here on the marijuana agenda. And we'll uh, see you at the end of next month. I'll see you brother. Thanks for your time and your energy, man. I really appreciate it. All right. Take it easy. 
This episode was produced as part of the Marijuana Agenda with Russ Belleville, the daily news and interview podcast covering the world of medical cannabis, adult marijuana, industrial hemp, and spiritual ganja. MJAgenda.com. Beginner guitars and banjos are often constructed much better than ones built before your time. Why struggle? Get a new instrument or fix the old one. The trusted professionals at the Fingerboard Extension will evaluate your instrument for free. Repairs are priced for people who work for a living. Stop by the Fingerboard Extension downtown Corvallis at 120 Northwest 2nd Street today or check out its inventory on the web at fingerboardextension.com. The Marijuana Agenda with Russ Belleville. And yes, we will overcome addiction in America. We are going to overcome addiction in America. Whatever you're smoking, it's not marijuana. This November, whether you see the words medical marijuana on your ballot or not, the issue is there. From the halls of Congress to your state capitol or city hall, Politicians are already making decisions on medical marijuana policy on your behalf. This election, make sure they are representing you. Every vote is a vote for medical marijuana. Visit votemedicalmarijuana.org today. Health Cannabinoid, your ACMPR experts. Consultation services for medical cannabis. Visit healthcannabinoid.com or call 1-800-906-1383. That's www.healthcannabinoid.com or call 1-800-906-1383. Health Cannabinoid. Total war against public enemy number one. Ten federal criminal penalties for up to one ounce of marijuana. Marijuana is probably the most dangerous drug. Legalization is just another word for surrender. I experimented with marijuana and didn't inhale. This is not medicine. This is a cheech and chong show. Encourage people to use less drugs. I am ill. That was the point. I think we made a mistake to legalize. Negative reports coming out of Colorado. Don't smoke marijuana. It's been quite an amazing year in marijuana reform as we've seen Oklahoma pass a medical marijuana law. And before that, North Dakota passed a medical marijuana law. Seems like you can pass a medical marijuana law anywhere in America these days. But that theory will be put to the test this November with the state of Utah, the beehive state, voting on a medical marijuana initiative. It's Proposition 2 in Utah. And of course, whenever we talk about the state of Utah, you cannot have a conversation without discussing the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, sometimes called the LDS Church, popularly known as the Mormons. And uh, just a full disclosure, I am one of them, or was one of them, or they still think I'm one of them, but I'm not really. <laughs> uh, I was baptized Mormon when I was uh, eight years old, golden oxen and white underwear and full immersion and all that, right? So I uh, studied it for a little while. I know about the basic uh, tenets of the Mormon faith, the uh, 13 articles of faith, the doctrine and covenants, the pearls of great price, and of course, the sequel uh, to the New Testament, uh, the Book of Mormon. So 
well-versed in this uh, culture, in this religion. I know a ton about it. And that's why Utah, I think, is the really, it's really the, the last battle for the opponents of medical marijuana. I mean, it's pretty much, you know, the writing's on the wall with North Dakota and Oklahoma, but if they can stop it anywhere, their last chance to stop medical marijuana, I believe, is the state of Utah. And because of that large Mormon population, the polls that came out originally on this showed uh, a majority support in the 70s, something like that, for, uh, for medical marijuana. But they showed among active Mormons the support was just a bare majority. It was like 54%. And keep in mind, active Mormons are, uh, you know, voters. And there's a lot of them in that state. And the poll also found that as the Mormon church started criticizing this ballot measure, that the support among the active Mormons was decreasing. Now, the Mormon church up to today has never had an official policy position on medical marijuana. The only wisdom I can glean from the Mormon church on the use of medical marijuana comes from one of their sacred documents, the Doctrine and Covenants. Now, uh, the Doctrine and Covenants are a set of books that uh, are are, uh, supposedly the prophecy of Joseph Smith, the prophet of the church, directed to him by Jesus, right? And again, as I said in an earlier segment, uh, I'm an atheist. Uh, I think all these fairy tales are silly, uh, but the Doctrine and Covenants are part of the Mormon church's uh, sacred books, okay? So within this Doctrine and Covenants, there is chapter 89. Now in chapter 89, this is mostly a chapter about what you can and can't drink, which can and cannot eat, right? This is their, uh, this is their Leviticus, right? This is their, uh, uh, you know, you can't eat the, the pork, you can't eat the whatever, right? This is, this is the Mormon version of that. And I'll just read to you from this scripture, starting with chapter four. Behold, verily, thus saith the Lord unto you in consequence of evils and designs which do and will exist in the hearts of conspiring men in the last days. I have warned you, and forewarn you by giving unto you this word of wisdom by revelation. Chapter five, that inasmuch, verse five, I should say, that inasmuch as any man drinketh wine or strong drink among you, behold, it is not good. Neither meet in the sight of your father only in assembling yourselves together to offer up your sacraments before him. So that's the you know, Mormons take from this that they shouldn't drink alcohol. And largely, uh, most Mormons issue alcohol. It continues, and behold, this should be wine, yea, pure wine of the grape of the vine of your own make. So that's the, you can have wine as a sacrament. You can have a sacramental wine, like, you know, Jesus Last Supper kind of thing. Pure wine, grape of the vine of your own make, right? As you're assembling yourselves and offering sacraments, right? That's okay. But otherwise, and it's reiterated in the next verse, number seven, and again, strong drinks are not for the belly, but for the washing of your bodies. So I guess you can wash yourself with alcohol, but you can't drink it. So no drinking. Pretty clear. Four, five, six, seven, four verses. You can have sacramental wine, but don't drink. It's not for you. 
And, and, and keep in mind, in the Mormon culture, they have this thing, you know, the, like the body is a temple kind of thing. And they're, and it's borne out in statistics, too. You look at like healthcare or health statistics, and Utah often appears at the top of the list of the states as far as least obesity, most exercise, those kind of things. Mormons have a thing about keeping healthy. So let's continue. Uh, verse 8. And again, tobacco is not for the body, neither for the belly. And it is not good for man, but is an herb for bruises and all sick cattle to be used with judgment and skill. So you're not supposed to smoke tobacco. And then again, Mormons, that's against the religion is to smoke cigarettes. They do recognize using it for bruises and sick cattle, but not for smoking. Verse nine. And again, hot drinks are not for the body or belly. Now, this is weird. The more, this is where the, the Mormons are a little off from other religions. There's a lot of religions that... Uh, proscribe the, the drinking of alcohol, Islam, you know, no drinking alcohol, right? But this one, hot drinks, this is where the Mormons uh, not drinking coffee comes from. Also because the caffeine in the coffee, right? But hot drinks are not for the body or the belly. But now we get to verse 10, Doctrine and Covenants, chapter 89, verse 10. 10 and 11, I'll just read them straight, 10 and 11. And again, verily I say unto you, all wholesome herbs God hath ordained for the constitution, nature, and use of man. Every herb in the season thereof and every fruit in the season thereof, all these to be used with prudence and thanksgiving. Now that references, you know, if you, those of you know your Genesis out of the, the, the Old Testament, I have given you every herb bearing seed and for you they shall be used as meat. Here is the Mormon version. Every herb in season thereof is to be used with prudence and thanksgiving. That This is pretty clear. Every herb in the season thereof, all wholesome herbs God hath ordained for the constitution, nature, and use of man. And the rest of the chapter goes on about uh, grain and famine and wheat and so forth. But the important parts here, don't drink alcohol, don't smoke tobacco, don't drink hot drinks, coffee, tea. And every wholesome herb is for the constitution, nature, and use of man. So up until today, that's been the Mormon church's thing, right? That's the only thing you can look at in their scripture that you could even kind of close say might be saying something about cannabis. Maybe. Okay, so. Taking that as understanding that Mormons are all about health, staying healthy, staying natural, that they have this, this scripture here that talks about using herbs for the health, the constitution, which is like the health, right? The constitution, nature, and use of man. Okay, so you got that as their background. Now, that takes us to today, where the coalition opposing Utah's medical marijuana initiative had come out. And part of that coalition, not only are two of Utah's four congressmen, federal congressmen, signing on to this measure, Senate candidate Mitt Romney, the 2012 GOP presidential nominee, is signing on to this coalition against Proposition 2, and the LDS Church. The Mormon Church now, for the first time in its history, has officially come out against medical marijuana. However... They're trying to have it both ways, folks. They're trying to have it both ways. As you read this, 
in the statement. It's a, a marijuana is an issue. The marijuana initiative appearing on, as Proposition 2 on the ballot this November does not strike the appropriate balance in ensuring the safe and reasonable access for patients while also protecting youth and preventing other societal harms. Now, understand that this Utah initiative for medical marijuana is not even close to like an Oklahoma initiative, right? There's no home grow involved. You'd have to get your weed from a dispensary. It's got a limited list of conditions that you got to have a doctor's recommendation. I mean, it's a pretty middle of the road, inoffensive sort of medical marijuana initiative, right? But in the statement, the LDS church added to this statement, we do not object to marijuana derivatives being used in medicinal form. This is the new tack that people are going to take now. Now that the, the approval of medical marijuana is damn near 90%, almost anywhere in the country, 60 to 90%, depending on where you're looking. The new tack is going to be, no, we don't object to medical marijuana derivatives. We don't object if you take it and put it in a pill. We don't object if you make Sativex out of it. We don't object if it costs a whole lot of money and people can't grow their own. That's the new tack. And this is where we as reformers have to keep our eye on the ball and keep people to understand that the miracle of medical marijuana isn't that it's some derivative of some plant. We got a million derivatives of some plant out there. The miracle of medical marijuana is you can grow it yourself. You can have your own medical, you can have your own cannabis plant like you could have your own aloe vera plant. Got a sunburn, break off a frond, rub some aloe vera on your sunburn. Got a headache, break off a bud, put it in a pipe, smoke it, you got your headache taken care of. That's the miracle. Not that it's something we can pull and derive out of it and put slap a barcode on and mark it up 10,000% and make some pharmaceutical shareholders happy. So up till now, the Mormon church has never had a statement on medical marijuana. Now they're saying we do not object to marijuana derivatives being used in medicinal form. Now, what the opponents are upset about is, oh, you know, Proposition 2 is just legalization in sheep's clothing. It's marijuana brownies and gummy bears in corner pot shops. Now, this is the thing that really gets me. They're, they're trying to paint this picture of, oh my God, if we legalize medical marijuana, they even brought up the Venice Beach, you know, sign twirlers in the pot shops in California, right? Under this initiative, this Prop 2, it guarantees one medical marijuana dispensary per 150,000 people, minimum one dispensary per county. So at minimum... In your entire county, in mostly rural Utah, there will be one pot shop. The biggest county, the most populous county in Utah is Salt Lake County, where, of course, Salt Lake City is, right? Their population is so large, they might have eight pot shops. So, yeah, this, this scaremongering about, oh, it'll be marijuana and brownies and gummies in the corner pot shops. No, in most counties, it'll be marijuana and gummies in corner pot shop. <laughs> Singular. Uh, there's quotes here. It's a poorly designed initiative to allow recreational marijuana use into the state. What? To, to allow recreational marijuana use? Uh, newsflash, recreational marijuana use is already going on in your state. Unethical providers will flock to Utah if Proposition 2 passes. Oh, yeah, that's right. People looking to make a buck in marijuana are looking to flock to Utah. <laughs> sure. Uh, 
They've got others here saying that they're advocates, but Prop 2 is not the right way. And and the latest reporting on this, it's quite interesting. Uh, Jack Gerard is, uh, El, I should, Elder Jack Gerard, is part of the general authority of the 70. Okay, so now I got to give you some Mormon church stuff, right? So Mormon church is a hierarchical system. If you know the Catholic church, you got like the popes, and then like the cardinals and the bishops, right? Yeah, yeah, ranks, right? So in the Mormon church, you got the president of the Mormon church at the top. And then you've got the, is it the quorum of 12? Yes, the quorum of 12, I believe, which is like the cardinals of the Mormon church. And then you got the authority of the 70, which is your bishops. But it's not really bishops, it's in between. But anyway, he's like your third tier, you know, uh, he's a lieutenant colonel. <laughs> he's a lieutenant colonel in the... Uh, in the Mormon church. So this guy, Jack Gerard says, quote, the church does not object to the medical use of marijuana if doctor prescribed in dosage form through a licensed pharmacy. Well, let's go back to that doctrine and covenants. What did that say? Oh yeah, here it is. And again, verily I say unto you, all wholesome herbs God hath ordained for the constitution, nature, and use of man if doctor prescribed in dosage form through a licensed pharmacy. <laughs> right. Doesn't quite fit with your own holy book. And, and of course, those are, those are all poison pills. A doctor can't prescribe marijuana. It's schedule one. In dosage form. Now, this is, this is a, an attack they like to use against medical marijuana. Well, it's not really medical because the doctor's not saying you need to take two and call me in the morning. You're not saying you need to smoke exactly six puffs which is, again, a fundamental misunderstanding of the miracles of medical marijuana. Another one of them being it's a self-titrating drug and it's non-toxic, so you don't have to worry about taking too much. The reason your doctor tells you to take two Oxycontin every six hours and no more is because if you take more, you'll fucking die. You'll overdose and die. For medical marijuana, the doctor can say, here, take this. When you have symptoms, smoke some. When the symptoms go away, stop. <laughs> That's the way it works. I was watching an ad the other day on TV for this new Afreza or Afezra or something like that. It's an inhaled insulin for diabetics. And the ad is going on about how, what a breakthrough this is because it's inhaled. So it'll affect the user immediately in those situations where you might be uh, spontaneously wanting to go out and eat. And you don't know where your blood sugar is. You can instantly inhale this, this insulin. And I'm watching the commercial going, damn, you're explaining exactly why smoked medical marijuana is such a miracle. You can inhale it now and get the effects right now and feel how much you need to use right now. So for the Mormon church to oppose this, to now officially oppose Proposition 2 medical marijuana measure, but then try to have it both ways by saying, oh, well, we're not evil because we do. What they're, what they're saying right now is, well, we'd love to help a cancer patient, but some teenager might smoke a joint. So the cancer patient's going to have to just wait. Cancer patients just gonna have to wait until we get that into a pill and charge them up the ass on the insurance on it and make them pay through the nose. It's insane. We're gonna keep going on this in Toker Talk Radio. Stay tuned for everyone here at Delta 9 House. I'm Radical Russ. Thanks for joining us. Until next time, take care of each other, Tokers. 
Follow MJ Agenda on Facebook, Pinterest, Instagram, YouTube, and follow MJ Agenda Show on Twitter. Learn more at MJAgenda.com. You take a seat, you're